0: You know, this weekend, I want to share part two of the new series that we started last week called Fight for Your Family. And I believe this series, even though we're talking to families, and we're talking to moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, I believe this series and what we're going to share today will have an impact for every one of us. Even if you're not married, you have no kids This is going to set you up from that day when that might happen. Or even if you're an aunt or an uncle. Or even if you have some kids that you've kind of adopted and pulled into your life. This message, I believe, will speak to your heart. I want to talk with you this morning about the stories that you need to tell your children. Stories are powerful. And there's some stories you need to tell your children. Psalm 78 says this, the writer of Psalm, in your Bible or on the screen, it says this, I will open my mouth with a parable or a story. I will utter hidden things. I will speak or tell hidden things. Things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants or from our children. We will tell the next generation The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord will tell them of His power and the wonders He has done. And then down to verse 6. And we do this so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, that they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, and they would not forget His deeds, but keep His commands. Pray with me. Father, bless this portion of your word. Lord, help us to take this into our innermost heart, our soul this morning. Drive this deep within us today, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. The writer of this scripture is saying, I want you to tell the stories of what God has done in your life To your children. Because if you do that, the result will be you will save their lives. You will save the next generation. So parents, grandparents, this scripture is saying if you want your kids, if you want your grandkids to know and follow God, then it's your duty to pass on to them the stories of what God has done in your heart, in your life. Now, when we read the stories about the Red Sea opening up so that the Israelites could cross, when we read about the rock in the wilderness that spewed forth water so the Israelites could drink, when we read about the manna that fell from the sky so the Israelites could eat, we think of Bible stories, right? We call those things... Bible stories, we've heard them, we've read them, we've been told these Bible stories. But I want you to understand that when those parents told those kids those stories, they were not telling them Bible stories because they didn't have a Bible, amen? (laughs) They didn't have the Bible. They were just passing on to them their personal stories of what God had done in their lives. So this writer of Psalm 78 is saying, I want you to tell your kids, like the Israelites of old, how God has been working in your life, what He's been doing in your family. Tell your children what God has done in your life so that that generation to come will also put their trust in God and they will follow Him like you have followed Him. Listen, you should not depend that some tv preacher is going to save your kids you should not depend on one of your pastors to save your family you should not depend on our youth pastor you should not depend on your children's pastor you should not depend on this church to make sure that your kids are ready for the coming of the lord jesus christ no it is up to you parents it's up to you and me it's up to grandparents To make sure that your kids are ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, one of the ways for you to see God move in the present generation. In the lives of your children. One of the ways is for you to just simply talk about what God has done in the previous generations in your family. When you have a meal, when you sit at home, when you kneel by their bedside. Tell them what God has been doing in your life. You know, one of the great stories in the Old Testament is the story of Elisha. Elisha was on his deathbed. He was old. He was dying. His time was short. And one day, the young Israelite king, his name was Joash, that young, inexperienced king, hadn't seen much. So young, he came knocking on the door of Elisha. Young king comes to see the old prophet, Elisha. I'm going to ask my newest son, my son-in-law, BJ, to come join me on stage. And I'm going to ask BJ this morning to play the part of young king, Joash. Would you welcome Joash the king? All right. (laughs) And just for the sake of this message, I'm going to play the part of the old man. So in walks to Elisha on his deathbed, this young King Joash, the the next generation, the new generation, young, inexperienced king of Israel, and the old prophet of God, he crawls out of bed, barely can breathe, (gasps) about to die, and he walks over to young King Joash, And Joash was facing the first battle in his career as king. And he comes to the old prophet of God. And he goes, what am I to do? The people, the armies are coming against Israel. What should I do? And the prophet of God looked at Joash and he says, take bows. Take bows and take arrows. And so young King Joash, he pulls an arrow. From the quiver. He puts it in his bow. And now young King Joash, I want you to kind of turn out here and shoot. No, (laughs) no, not really. And the Bible says this is what the old prophet did. He came up behind the young man who had plenty of strength in his youth to pull back the string of the bow. But the old man comes next to the next generation. And he puts his hand on the next generation and he helps him pull back the string of the bow. And when that happens, what you've got, you've got the younger generation and the older generation working together. You've got the strength of the youth. And you've got the wisdom and the counsel of the old. You've got the fire and the courage. He was ready to go fight the battle. He just didn't know what to do and how to go about it but you've got the fire of the younger generation and yet the wisdom and the experience of the older generation listen I'm beginning to feel and sense in my spirit there is about a a day coming when we're going to have a healing between what we've always called in America the generation gap I believe a healing is about to come I believe that the young are seeking the wisdom today and the counsel of the old I believe they're looking for mentors and coaches. And I believe the old are willing to share and willing to sit and listen, willing to support and guide through prayer. I believe a day is coming when that healing and that gap is going to come. And I also believe that the next great move of God in America is not just going to come from the young and the strong. It's not going to come just from the old people. But it's going to come from a combination of young and old standing together and going up against Satan together and together pulling back the bow and going to war and recovering what Satan has stolen from this nation and stolen from the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's going to be young and old standing together against our enemy our enemy Satan. I believe a day is coming when young and old are going to work together To overcome the plans of Satan. To bring this nation back to God. I believe there's even coming a day when young and old will truly enjoy worshiping together. For too many years, we've separated all the youth and all the old people and said, we just can't get along. We don't like the same kind of music. But I believe a day is coming when young and old will sing an old hymn together like how great thou art. And then they'll sing a new song together like Jesus be the center of it all. And together we'll lift great praise to God and we'll both be blessed by God. It's time for young and old to work together to reach the young and the old in this city and in our nation. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Would you thank King Joash? You see, I believe that the church that Jesus died to redeem is not going out in a fizzle. Amen? The church of Jesus is not going to fizzle out. It's not going to end without young people seeing the power of God displayed. I believe the church is not going to end without young people knowing how to pray and knock on heaven's door. I believe the church is not going to end without young people's prayers being answered even in miraculous ways. In the past, God was a God of miracles. What he did in the past, people, he is going to do again. You see, the Bible says what God was, God still is. Amen? He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. What God did, he will do again. And I believe that God is looking for a generation where He can take all of the strength of the young and all of the experience of the old and He's going to call them to work together to reach this nation. Church, my heart is so hungry to see the the touch of God on the next generation. My heart is hungry to see people come to a place where they would fear God. To see young people who are so filled with love for God, they think nothing of giving up a boyfriend that doesn't love or honor God. They think nothing of giving up their friends and breaking off from their friends that don't love and honor God. My heart is hungry to see the next generation not settle for just some form of godliness, some religious ritual, some religious tradition. My heart is hungry to see the next generation not, de- not deny the power of God Almighty. Amen? Yeah. Our Lord is powerful. My heart is hungry to see the next generation get on their knees and so give their hearts to God that they get up with their youthful strength. And then they serve God with all of their youthful strength. And they stir up this church. They stir up this community and their country for our God. But listen close. For that to ever happen, the older generation has to start telling the younger generation the stories of what God has done in their lives. The older generation has to pass on to the younger generation how they've placed their faith in God. And as they did that, how God moved in their lives and changed their lives. The writer in Psalm 78 said, tell your children the stories of what God has done. In fact, five times in scripture, the Israelites were commanded to tell their children the stories of God's faithfulness. God would tell them to do certain things. And and then God was saying, and if you do these certain things, your children are going to say, what does this mean? And then you're to tell them how I've moved in your life to get you where you are today. The first time that God told the Israelites to tell their children what he had done is in Exodus chapter 12, and you can go home and read that today. But God said, you're to eat the Passover meal. You are to sit down as a family each year and remember how I spared your family, how I passed over and saved the lives of those people who were obeying me And following me. So look at this. God was telling them to eat the Passover meal. Not just at church. But he was telling them to eat this meal together. To remember God together. To worship God together for what he had done. Get this. In their homes. Folks we need some church at home. Amen. It's interesting out of the seven feasts that the Israelites were to observe, three of them were to be observed in the home with their families. You see, if we're not careful, we'll only do church at church. We'll never take church into our homes. We'll become professionals at coming and doing this. But a lot of times we leave those back doors and we don't take church into our home. Now, I call this the big church. But the little church, which is your home, that is where you are to continue worship with God there. You're to make sure that your family comes to worship God in the big church, but you're also to make sure that your family worships God in the little church, which is your home. The truth is, lots of people don't have God in their homes. Lots of people go to church but they never take God back into their homes. How about you? Do you want God in your home? Do, do you want the worship of God in your home? Do you want Bible to the Bible reading to be done in your home? Do you want God's presence in your home? Do you want God's power to be displayed in your home? You see, we've got MTV in our home. We've got ESPN in our home. Some have HBO in their home. We've got high-speed internet in our home. We've got cussing and fighting and fussing in our homes. But the question is, what we really need is God in our homes. And the question is, do you really have God in your home? Are you having church in your home? But if you will take Him, God will come in. To your home And just when Satan thought I've got control of this family I've got rebellion going on In the teenagers I've got some of those kids on drugs i got dad on alcohol Some of my kids are having Premarital sex And just when Satan thinks he's got Control over your family That's when you stand up And you start Fighting for your family And you begin saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord God Almighty. And all God's church said, you stand up. You fight. You honor God in your home. You begin to worship God in your home. And we need to do that because the family's in trouble. The home today is in trouble. Marriages are in trouble. You need God in your home. So if you need a fresh move of God in your house, you start that by telling your family what God's done in your life. You start telling the family the stories of how God answered this prayer and that prayer. In Exodus chapter 12, it says they sat down as a family and they ate this Passover meal together. And as they did that, the kids began to ask, why are we doing this? Just like when you try to have a family dinner, right? Why are we doing this? Why we got to sit here? I don't like this. Can I go upstairs? They say, why are we doing this? And that's when the Israelites told them the story of what God has done in their lives. How God had blessed them. How God had saved them. How God had set them free from slavery. Listen, write this down. Tell your children, first of all, the story of your salvation. What story should we tell? Well, absolutely, the story of your salvation. You know, my dad told me his story. Early in my life, he told me how he needed a job, how a farmer in Iowa hired him to build a fence. And so the farmer was a Christian, but dad was not. I was just a young boy at that time. My parents weren't Christians. And every day the farmer would tell my dad stories about how he changed his, how God changed his life. And dad so wanted to quit that job. He so wanted to stop listening to that old, that old farmer day after day. But he so needed the job and he so needed the money. Dad kept showing up, building fence, driving posts in that Iowa cow pasture day after day. And that farmer just kept talking about how God had changed his life. And one day, in the middle of that Iowa cow pasture, God spoke to my dad's heart. And right there in that pasture, he got on his knees and he surrendered his life to God. And then mom told me her story. She said, when dad came home and told me what he had done, I got mad. I got mad. How dare you accept God? (laughs) And she began to think, if I accept God into my life and I follow Him, I'm going to lose all my friends. You see, Dad played guitar and he sang in a dance band. And all of Mom's friends and Dad's friends were partying. They were drinking, smoking, dancing, partying, get wild kind of people in Salem, Iowa. Little Salem, Iowa. And mom knew if they chose to follow God, they were going to lose all their party friends. And that's a big deal in a small town. We're talking a town of 500. Big deal in a small town. If your friends turn away. Mom says for two weeks, she was mad at dad. But one day, God spoke to mom's heart. And she said she was working in the kitchen. And God just came upon her in such a powerful way. She just knelt down at a chair in her kitchen. And surrendered her life to God. Now listen. Mom and dad told us kids. Peggy, Larry, Jerry. The stories of their salvation. And what was the result? It impacted all three of us kids. To the point that we made sure we married somebody that knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now what did my mom and dad have? They had three kids with, with three in-laws, three spouses that knew the Lord Jesus Christ and was serving Him. But it went on for that. It impacted all of their grandkids. And most every one of their grandkids are now loving and knowing and serving God but it's now gone beyond that and all of their great-grandkids are hearing about God. Does that sound like Psalm 78 or what? Folks, I'm telling you, it makes a difference when you tell the story of your salvation. I've told my kids that when I was seven years old, God spoke to my heart. I was sitting in that small church, Salem Friends Church, Salem, Iowa, on a Sunday night, listening to the message not really, I was in that place where I was always sitting in church, I was on the back row with my friends, and we, we didn't have things to text with back then, but we found ways to have fun, and I was sitting back there with my friends, kind of half listening, kind of half not, and I really don't know what was said in the message, but all at once, I knew that I was not right with God, and I knew that I needed him in my heart. So I got up out of my seat and I went to the altar in that small church and I knelt there and surrendered my life to God. And when I got up from that altar, even though I knew I'd done the right thing, I didn't feel any different. And yet when our family got in the car to go home, I crawled in the back seat. Mom turns around to me and she says, Larry, what did you do tonight? And I'm telling you, the instant I said I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and come live in my life, the instant those words came out of my mouth, I felt such a wave of God's presence. And the only way I can explain it, it was like a cleansing presence washed over me from the inside out. It is something I'll never forget. You see, the Bible says it's with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And many of you have prayed that salvation prayer right here in this sanctuary. And in your heart, you, you have believed. But it says, Romans ten ten. But it's with your mouth that you profess your faith. And you are saved. The moment I professed, that cleansing wave came over me. And what did it do? It changed my entire life. That moment... I'm afraid to say this, 51 years ago. (laughs) Caused me to end up here today. But you see, it all started with my parents. They were the first Christians in their family. They were the first generation to step out and come to know Christ. And it started with them telling a story. Tell your kids about the moment that you were saved. Tell them about the time when you were living for yourself. Tell them when you were just living for pleasure. Tell them when when you were living in sin. Tell them when you were were all messed up. Anybody been messed up? You want to be honest? All right. And you say, I can't tell my kids about when I was messed up. Maybe you can't tell them every detail, but you can tell them you were absolutely messed up. Tell them how miserable you were. Even though you thought you were having the time of your life, tell them how miserable you were. Tell them how Jesus came into your life and changed your life forever. Tell them. Tell them how God gave you the power to walk away from your sin. How he gave you power to sit down the bottle. How he gave you power to walk away from the crack house. How he gave you power to stop going and seeing the pot dealer. Power to forgive those people who hurt you. Power to walk away from that gambling habit. Power to to clean up your speech. How he gave you power to walk away from the crowd who was taking you down the wrong path. Tell them how your life has been changed since you decided to follow Jesus. Tell them. And tell them in your home. When you're sitting with them at home, So they and their children will also put their trust in the Lord. Tell them the story of your salvation. And next, write this down. Then tell them the story of God's provision. How God has provided. There are lots and lots of answers to prayer that God brings into our lives. We can tell them lots of things. But in Exodus chapter 16, God said to Moses, Moses, get a pot and put some manna in the pot. You see, for 40 years, the Israelites had been wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, with nothing to eat. And the Bible tells us how God provided manna from heaven every day, bread that God just created on the ground for them to eat every day. And one day, God said, Moses, put some of that manna in a pot, take it into the tabernacle, set it on the altar, And when the next generation comes and they see that pot there on the altar, they're going to ask, what is that? And their parents will tell them, this is to remind us when we were in the wilderness and we didn't have any food to eat, when our family was more broke than the Ten Commandments, you'll get it, that God provided manna for us, that God fed us, He took care of us, God supplied our needs. And parents, you need to do the same thing with your kids. You need to tell your children how God has provided for you. It's kind of like this. When your kids come home and they raid the refrigerator and then they go up to their, their nice decorated bedroom and they kick back on their sealy posturpedic mattress and they look around at their mirrored closet doors and they're matching chest and drawers and they're matching nightstand and they kick back on the bed and they listen to their iPod while they're texting their friends on their iPhone. When they're kicked back like that, I want you to walk into their bedroom and say, you know, this is really nice, but I want you to know it wasn't always this way. I want you to tell them there was a time in your life when you didn't have so much, when your family was in trouble. When the fridge was almost empty, when the bank account was empty, when the doctor bills were not paid, when the IRS said you owed them money and you didn't have it, and when Christmas was coming and you didn't have a dime for presents. But then tell them that somehow in the nick of time, God supplied. And all of God's people said, amen. In the nick of time, God provided for your needs. Tell them that no matter where you have lived, no matter what job you have had, no matter what salary level you had, that God has always been your provider. Tell them. You know, I remember when Shirley and I were first married, we were so young. (laughs) We were 20 and so poor, just young and poor and in love, still are. And so we've, we rented our first house. We rented a furnished house for $40 a month. Furnished. Now, that was 38 years ago in Kansas, but $40 a month furnished. And the couch that came with the house was the ugliest, scratchiest thing I had ever sat on. And the house had yellow shag carpet. This tall. I'll tell you, that tells you how old we are. We had almost nothing. We couldn't afford to buy any furniture. So I went out and got some wood from an old house that had been torn down years ago because we needed some shelves. And so I got some wood and I cut some of those boards and then I got some bricks from the fireplace of that house and I built shelves. Bricks, board, bricks, board. Those were our fancy shelves when we got married. And then... I needed a desk. I was still going to school and I needed a desk. And so I I took a door from that old house and and I turned it on its side and put a glass top on it. And boy, we really had to spend to get that glass top. And uh, built some sides on it. And that was our desk. And I'm sure that some of you have the same kind of story. And you need to tell your kids when they're all kicked back in their nice bedroom and they're texting on their iPhone, You need to tell them that they are not blessed because you have worked hard. But they are blessed because you are a follower of God Almighty. And he is your family provider. Amen. And they have what they have. Because God has provided it. He has blessed again and again. Tell your children in your home the stories of God's provision. Tell your kids the story of your personal salvation and time after time, how God has provided be quick to give God the praise for those times. He's gotten you out of debt for the times he's carried you through. But the Bible is telling us in Psalm 78, do not hide from your children the stories of what the Lord has done in your life. Tell them so they will turn and tell their children. And so their children will put their trust in God and, and, And will not forget God's deeds. But instead they will follow him. And they will keep his commands. Folks we need God not only in this church. We need God in our homes. We need to tell those stories in our homes. Now listen close. If you're not taking God into your home. You are not fighting for your family. Because the only way to keep Satan out of your home is to make sure God is in the house. Amen? You've got to surrender that whole house. And maybe you've not done this, but it's maybe time for you to go room to room to room and say, God, this is your room. Your whole house is yours. It's time to bring God into the house. Once again, I believe the church is not going to fizzle out. It's not going to end without our young people knowing the power of God. But parents, for that to happen, you've got to take God into your home. And you got to tell them about the powerful God you serve. And listen now. When the stories and the wisdom of the old. Okay, I'll be the old guy. When the wisdom and the stories and the experience of the old. Come together with the strength of the young. The church will stand together. And the church will shake this city and this nation For Jesus Christ. Amen. We can make a difference. We need every young person in this service. And every young person needs every old person. And when we stand together. Mighty things can happen. Tell your children. In your home. What God has done. Would you bow your head with me. If you will commit today. To go home. And through prayer. Take God into your home. And by starting to tell the stories to your kids of what God has done, take God into your home. If you're making that commitment this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm committed. God's coming into my house. Oh, wonderful. Praise God. It'll change your, it'll change your house. It'll change your life. And now would you pray this prayer as I prayed in my heart. Pray it in your heart, Father, I commit right now to take you into my home and to start telling my kids what you have done. As for me and my house, we will serve you. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. And all of God's church said, Amen. Amen.